Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, Thomas and Caballeros. Another edition of Leave the Ring Radio. I'm your host, Dave Duenas, with my co host, Emil Carr and Kenny. How you yeah, doing, man? man? Doing, Dave, Kenny. Awesome. It's great to be back on the air. Great to be live on YouTube. Absolutely, hello, hello. man. Um, well, we weren't on last week. Uh, you know, it was just uh, a couple of hectic things of uh, why we couldn't get on. Um, oh, yeah, my power went out. That's right. My power went yeah. out, so I had nothing. You know, um, I don't know what happened in our neighborhood. Actually, I do know what happened, but uh, so that's why we couldn't make it last week. But now we're here. We're back up. Um, paid my electric electric bill before anybody starts making any jabs at me saying, "Oh, you got to pay your electric bill." Dude. <laughs> I did pay it this time here, huh? <laughs> Anyways, man, um, really exciting uh, start of the year. We have the first upset of the year in boxing. Which is uh, Julian Williams went in uh, being the undisputed 154 champion, and uh, Jason Rosario, who really honestly not a lot of folks knew a lot about him, um, really ourselves because we had talked about that fight two weeks ago, stating that we kind of more or less felt like this was a keep busy fight for Julian yeah. Williams. Um, I'm not sure. Are we up on YouTube yet here, uh, Kenny? Uh, yes, we oh, definitely yes, we are. are. We are definitely are. So, da, 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 da. I don't know what I got here, baby. Ah, look at this over here. Huh? Who would have who thought that this guy here, the banana, would have really got the upset? Who would have thought he would have came out, well, you know, with a bunch of banana arms and outlanding, outmuscling uh, uh, Williams of Milkar? Well, you know what? You said it correctly, David. Going into this fight, kind of when we went over the early part of the 2020 schedule two weeks ago, you know, I kind of brought it up as almost a layup for J-Rock. I thought this was going to be kind of like you said, a keep busy fight. But you know what? Right before the the fight started, during the introductions, I saw the Uruguayan um, Samson uh, Lechowitz the uh, manager uh, kind of and slash promoter who brings in a lot of the international guys, especially from the Caribbean, Central America, and South America. When I saw him standing in the corner, you know, I knew that it was going to be a fight because I, up until that point, I was not actually aware that he was managing. Uh, I know that. And, and yep. you know, I have yet to see uh, a Samson fighter that does not come uh, and absolutely bring it in the ring. Like he's got a long line of guys that he's introduced uh, to the U.S. fight fans, and they, they always bring it. Yeah, especially oh. Pacquiao. Yep. I mean, he's yeah. brought a lot of guys over that that have really nobody knew a whole lot about, and and he. I mean, Samson's got a good eye. I mean, not all of them are are you know pick winners, but definitely his eye of really seeing what the potential that these guys can either form into becoming or, or already are. 
um, he knows how to do it. You know, I'm trying to think of the top of the head, off of my head right now of all the guys that he has. I want to say he's he also discovered like uh, Sergio Martinez, who he later on yeah, uh, signed off to Lou DiBello. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So he he really does go into the uh, 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 you know South America and he really digs up um, a lot of talent. Not just there too. I mean, I, I, I'm trying to remember a name that he had from the UK who also he had helped get developed. So he's got a really keen eye of raw, raw talent because Jason Rosario to me was a guy seen his couple of fights, which some were mentioned that, well, I mean, not mentioned, but possibly could have been um, the other way around. Well, there were some certain fans that felt that the Dominican kid was, uh, that it was stolen away from him. Um, they thought that he had done enough to win some fights, but it still, I was very reserved because, you know, he, what I've seen of him, I don't know if you guys have seen him here, but what I've seen, he got hit a lot, um, kind of slow, um, you know, still didn't seem like he knew how to get his feet underneath them. Um, still, there was some unsureness about his style of what he wanted to do. But this past Saturday night, I saw a kid that was just extremely possessed, man. And he was there to win. You could see it in his eyes. I mean, you saw it right there, like Nothing else mattered around him when he stepped in that ring except for Julian Williams. My problem with Julian Williams is this guy. I I tend to believe that he went in with this match still riding off of the Jared Hurd win. Still thinking that that style that helped him win against Gerald Hurd was going to help him win against a tall Jason Rosario. You know, who they probably thought as well as many of us thought that Rosario was not even as good or as close as being good as what Hurd was able to bring uh, at the 154 division. Total big, well, a, bad game plan. What was that? I was just going to say there's at least three <clears throat> intangibles that I underestimated. One was just his toughness. I mean, the guy could take all of J-Rock's shots. Uh, two was his conditioning, which you could kind of see if you looked at his conditioning or his body, at least, in the, in the weigh-in. Like, he... He was he was conditioned for this fight, and the third thing I would say was his punch variety. He threw a lot of different shots. He went to the body and he went to the head, uh, and and there was a lot of punch variety. I wasn't he, anticipating that. He was also very picky with his punches. He didn't uh, just uh, throw it out all out there or empty the tank like your boy Atunde would say. Uh, he uh, <laughs> he he was. He picked his shots. He 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 defended a lot more, so and and let uh, J Rock more so empty his tank and get like J Rock was wasted by the fourth. Uh, uh, what you call it by the fourth? Uh, I, well, I'm catching brain farts right now. Fourth I round. Was like fourth, fifth J-Rock, round. He, yeah. Yeah, fourth. I think it was. He he had his mouth open, breathing hard, uh, because he was yeah. throwing so much, trying to keep Jason off of him, and Jason was picking and choosing his shots and. And most of the shots that he landed were powerful, impactful shots. Really, including really to the body. powerful. Oh, yo, God, his body shots were just vicious. Mm-hmm. Even from the first round, the body shot yeah. was was really evident. And you know, this is the thing what I like about Rosario. They studied, they watched Williams. One thing that Williams has been exposed with, where Hurd couldn't capitalize, was that Williams has been exposed and he's acceptable to uppercuts. He leads in with his head. If you ever watch his style, he's always d- dipping his head to try to get under your shot so he can land his shots. So Rosario saw that and wanted to pick him up. Second thing that Rosario did that I thought it was just beautiful 
which Kenny, you mentioned, was not only did he stay busy with Williams and make Williams actually fight, he made Williams fight to try to stay in the pocket with them, but he allowed Williams to empty the tank and stay stick around <clears throat> for that receipt. He would counter every time Williams finished the shot or a big punch, he immediately returned the, re- he returned the favor to Williams, which in Williams, and I think even in his you know, Breadman's uh, uh, surprise, they weren't expecting that. Not one bit that this so-called kid that's supposed to be limited and not very fast was actually his reflex were the most telling and the most fast thing that was in that fight. His reflex really, in my opinion, is what took over the second and all the way down to the fifth round. Yeah, he was counter-punching very successfully. And again, just like you said, David, whenever he got uh, hit with a shot, a shot that the commentators, who I am fans of generally, but I felt that they were quite biased in this fight. Whenever right. they, they were, were, you know, lauding a, a shot uh, landed by J-Rock, you know, uh, Banana came back just as hard and oftentimes with a combination. And you could see that J-Rock was challenged because whether it was in the middle of the ring or on the ropes, he was getting beat up. You know, there, there really wasn't a safe space for him in terms of where he could box and be no. at an advantage. I mean, regardless of where it was in the ring, he, he was pretty much getting dominated. Even in the first round, which is the only round I felt might have gone to J-Rock, he was getting touched. And again, the commentators never mentioned it. You could see his face was puffy, um, definitely on the right side, but also on the left side as well. I, yeah, I he was definitely that, uh, marked up. I, I know you, you, you guys definitely feel that uh, uh, as great of a boxer that Lennox Lewis was, he's uh, definitely biased towards certain fighters when he's commentating and he doesn't give other fighters enough credit uh, for the work that they're actually doing. Um, like Jason, he just didn't give Jason enough credit and you felt the same way, Emil, in the Harrison fight. I think you felt the same way as well, David. Yeah, you, know, you know, my thing... Sorry, go ahead, David. No, go ahead, because I think me and you are going to say the same thing. Go for it. Yeah, we might. I mean, look, I think that Lennox Lewis has been out of the commentating game for a while. I mean, anyone who knows me knows that Lennox Lewis was one of my favorite athletes, not just boxers, when I was growing up. I've got a lot of respect for Lennox Lewis, but I think that because he's kind of just getting into commentating again, that he's probably following a a producer's script a lot of the times. And one thing you'll notice about PBC shows, I like the shows, they're very entertaining, but the PBC shows are almost very scripted for a sporting event, you know? They've got their montages. They've got their, their, their kind of a, um, almost like trailer-type promotional things that you'd expect to see for a TV show or a movie. They're doing it with boxing. And oftentimes it's very clear on a PBC show who's the A side, who's the B side, and they just regurgitate the nat- narrative over and over again. I think a lot of the times when the PBC commentators are speaking to the audience, they're speaking to the audience more as a general sports fan than they are as like a boxing fan who you'd already expect to know a lot about these guys. So they're pushing a narrative, narrative, narrative. And I think when, when, when Lennox and even Joe Goosen, again, who's kind of newer to commentating, they're only human beings. When a producer's in your headphones saying this, saying that, reminding you to say this, reminding you to say that, there's going to be some bias. And in Lennox's case, I think it took him like two, maybe three rounds before he's like, you know what, fuck this. I just got to start calling the fight. And then he started giving Banana all his credit, if that makes sense. 
I, no, that makes – I mean, that's exactly what I saw. Um, I mean, even in my taste of the prospect, which was uh, Joe uh, Spencer, I, yeah. I, again, I, I'm, a, I'm a fight fan that doesn't want to be force-fed uh, a fighter. I want it. I have my own eyes. I have my own independent thoughts. Let me make that decision of whether or not this guy's the goods. But when you're trying to tell me over and over and over that he's going to be something big and special, when right now, right in front of me, I'm witnessing a kid struggling. And then here's another thing. I wanted to mention this. When you, okay, maybe it's me, but I know for a fact if I'm training a kid, and I'm tra- or I'm training anybody in any certain thing in any area, and I see them go off and ask another person that's not under their tutelage to grade them, I would take that an offense. So his father trainer, when Joe Spencer, after his fight, walks over to go- Joe Gooseman- Goosen and Lennox Lewis and goes like, hey, what did I do wrong? You should automatically entrust what your corner's saying. You should ha- automatically go and ask them what they thought and what they were doing, or better yet, listen to what they were saying. Then later on, after all the you know the smoke is cleared, then you go, in my opinion, you go and ask these other guys uh, a, a, an opinion. But uh, and, and, and in my opinion, um, Spencer's tr- camp should have been a little upset with that, you know, because that tells me everything. He's not really sure. He's not really sure, guys, who he is and who he wants to be yet. Um, he might want to be just a pleaser. And we all know what happens with pleasers. You know, they they mm-hmm. never reach that peak. They can never gain that confidence of a champion. He didn't fight like a champion to me. He fought like a kid that's still trying to figure out, does he belong in the pro games, uh, pro, uh, uh, pro games or is he still an amateur uh, standout? I'm not sure yet with him yet. So for me, I'm not going to put the tail on the donkey just yet. No, no, Cecil, this, this leads me to a question. Before I ask this question, I just want to – Congratulate my Dominican brother Jason Banana Rosario. You know, Banana! One, Banana! For, one for the team, one for the team. You know? <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, this lead, well, you, your statement yeah, leads to my yeah. question. Yeah, your your statement leads to my question, which is: uh, Is he there to stay? Is he there to stick? Is he gonna be? Uh, is he gonna continue being champion? Is he? Is, is he? Uh, you know, is it a uh, one and done? Is it? You know. Is he going to be like a gatekeeper? Uh, you know, I think, Who, Jason? I think the, the division, yeah, yeah. I think the division's open for the, for the taking, really. There's so many talented guys in that division that really whoever works harder than the next could be the guy, you know? You know, I mean, I think everybody at that 100, 154 division right now, um, it's, it's always for the taking. I don't really see any of them being the ultra dominant guy, um, you know, I think Hurt still there's a there's a there's a clear map of how to defeat him. Uh, there's a clear way of defeating uh, you know Charlo. Outbox him, uh, make him do certain commitments where he gets flustered. You know, because Charlo to me is a headhunter, and I'm and a, you know and a lot of times he he wants to impress by knocking you out. He lets too emo- too much emotion sometimes just get in that way. Tony Harrison sometimes just celebrates too much and he loses focus when it gets down to the later, later stretch of the fight. Uh, you know, all these guys, uh, uh, Edison, Laura is an older warrior. His legs are not, 
Yeah, he's not he's not that mobile anymore. You know, now he's willing no. to stand and trade and and take the shots that that he because he's got to return big shots to get himself out of trouble. So anybody at 154, in my opinion, is a one fight of way of losing that title. But seeing what I saw with Jason of Rosario is that you know what we've seen of fighters that come from a place that 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 is very hard ridden, right? You know, they, they have yeah. to, they fight for everything that's given to them. Those guys are the ones, man, that once they clench their teeth on onto something, they're like pet bulls. It's very hard to draw out of their mouths, you know? Um, the, the only time you saw a guy that just got, it went over the top of their head, it got too big in their head, and they just lost everything immediately was like in Ricardo Mayorga because he played a character rather than playing who he should have been, which is a fighter, take it serious. I don't see that happening with, with Rosario. To me, you saw I saw a very humble and very focused, very focused. Now, if this kid hard yeah, focused and hardworking, I don't know, guys. I think he's going to be very difficult. And now having the title, they always say, once you get that title, you always jump up two steps up the ladder in mind frame. So, yeah, he, like Lennox yeah. – it wasn't say just the last thing I'll say. Like Lennox Lewis said, it's easy to win the title, but it's harder to keep it. And I think that this kid may fight very hard to keep it unless he allows, you know, uh, uh, um, all the fruits of winning that title uh, interfere in his training camp, interfere on in how it changed the life. Uh, 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 that definitely is going to change the life for him and for him his family. So hopefully he just stays up on top of his head. Like he's got to come out the way he performed Saturday, dude. He's got to come out. Every single time. Oh, before yeah. you take it over, I have just have one statement in response to what David said, which is that usually when fighters win a belt, they step it over to the next level, and apparently that was not the case with J Rock. And just there you go, that was my statement. Pass it on to Mill. Well, you could also add Andy Ruiz to that list amongst many others, but I yeah, right. I, I, I was going to say that, look, David, I agree. You know, he wins the title, he can only be more confident in his abilities now. But one thing that really impressed me is that he was willing, and I can only imagine will continue to be willing, to engage in, like, wars of attrition with guys. And yeah. if he's willing to do that, you look through the list of the guys at 154, the top dogs, they're all beatable if he's willing to stick to that style. Now, it's not necessarily a style that's great for longevity, but uh, for a few fights of a stretch, look – as great as a boxer as Eric Landy is and definitely was, you said it yourself, master boxer, but his legs are old. He can't do what he used to do. You look at no. Jared Hurd. Jared Hurd gasses out and, by all accounts, struggles to make 154, right? Um, right. We've already seen that Charlo can be beat at, at 154. So mm. just look down, and he's beat J-Rock already. So you just look down the list. Yeah, Kenny, wrong, I think this wrong, guy wrong Charlo. Is, is... That's the wrong Charlo, though. The Charlo that beat J-Rock is at 160. This Charlo hasn't fought no, no, no. J-Rock. No, I'm, I'm saying the Charlo that lost at 154, the Charlo that lost to Harrison, he's already been beat at 154. Right, right. That's oh, you're all sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. The other, Charlo's, the other Charlo's undefeated. So, no. so they're, all, they're all beatable is what I'm saying. Um, right. And, and uh, you know, as look, his confidence can, can only be sky high. I mean, I hope they give him a parade when he gets back to Santo Domingo. I think it's a huge accomplishment. He's a yep. unified champ. He went into a guy's hometown on his show. 
where he was the favorite and the network was biased and and and, and essentially cheering for for the A side for the first part of the fight, you know, it was a tremendous accomplishment what he was able to do. And I only I only wish him the best because as you guys know, I'm someone who always roots for the underdog. Yeah, you know, here's here's the thing is that what is also in his favor for Jason Rosario is his size. I mean, because, you know, Williams to me, and I said this uh, two, two weeks ago, I said Williams to me was a guy that was a, tie, was a fight away of losing that title. And a lot of reasons why I believe that. One is that, I'll be honest with you guys, never, I, I've never been high for J-Rock. I saw a lot of flaws in the kid. I also thought that his trainer and himself talked way too much as if they accomplished way, way beyond what they've done already. And to me, that was like, guys, you guys need to slow your roads a little bit. You'll have to actually lay the stones down before you start walking that talk. Where right now, Jason, in my opinion, got that size. He can go forward. Imagine, though, guys, if he learns how to jab correctly. Imagine when he starts learning how to use that footwork. Now that he's got the title, he's going to be able to have more access to those types of tools because now there's, been, there's going to be money filtered through him in order to get to those destinations and stuff. So I'm really excited to see what they're going to do with this kid. My only concern, though, is this one thing. is Are they going to let him fight this year again? Or are they going to do what they've been doing with a lot of these PBC fighters, which is allow them only to fight once a year? For an example, this may be PBC's fault or, or J-Rock and his team's fault. They only fought... Last year, that one fight, the big fight, would hurt. And after that, guess what? They didn't really do much. They didn't do a whole lot, you know? So, in my opinion, the reason why these guys don't win in every fight and they're so beatable is because the inactivity really hurts a lot of these fighters. They have to stay active. They really do, you know? In order for you to sharpen up your tools, you just can't do it in the gym. You have to do it where, it's, where it counts the most what's going to be competitive the most, which is on a fight night. I think, I think it'll be a, a pretty insane for him not to fight again for the rest of the year, uh, being that this year just started. He just won the belt. So it'll be pretty insane for him not to fight again for the year. He has to fight at least one more time. Uh, I know that he already told Charlo that, sorry, but he's not going to fight him this year. Uh so we'll see what route he's going in. Uh, uh, it seems like he's going to be uh, trying to sharpen his tools and go the mandatory route as opposed to going to try to get the other belts at this moment. Uh, I'm not sure. Whatever he does, uh, you know, kudos to him. The guy's a champ. I respect I'm, it. First, yeah. I'm fine if he wants to do his mandatory, but you know what? You need to fight two more times this year. Fight, fight your mandatory and then fight, fight, fight either Charlo Fight either Herd or fight either, you know, uh, Laura. Uh, fight any one of those guys that have a name to that so that we can see whether or not you are working on uh, other things. To see whether or not that, that the intense style that you brought this past weekend on Saturday is still going through you throughout the year. You know what I mean? I mean, because I, if I'm, if I'm Charlo and them, I'm going to be fighting to get that fight next. You know, because one thing that we've seen with Charlo, he's, he's a big kid too. That's why I think to me, out of, out of all the other guys we just mentioned, Charlo and him, 
make the most interesting because they're both very big 154-pound fighters. They both have big, heavy hands. Uh, I think they'll, and I don't know what you guys think, but I think that Jason Rosario may have the more heavier hands than Charlo because of his both, uh, both uh, he's capable of knocking you out with both hands. Um, but I also married. think, what happened? I was just saying he just might, David, yeah. I, yeah, I, I think so, you know, but the overall skill level, I, I would lean with Charlo, but not, I can't even say that. I can't even say that mm. Charlo wouldn't be um, that intense or, or willing to fall apart the way Williams did. Because, I mean, I mean, this thing, I mean I, you know, what I saw with Williams, even though he said, wow, after the ref jumped in and, and stopped the fight, I, his body language in that fourth round, guys, I was like, this guy's done. His body's no, not going to be there no more. Mentally, mentally and physically, he, uh, at least physically, he was key capitulated. And it's, I'm not saying that disparagingly. He, he was eating vicious shots, especially vicious. to the body. As it relates to the unification fight, you know, the WBC is, is a lot more accommodating. I think the number one uh, challenger to Charlo right now is Erickson Lubin. I'm not too excited about that fight. I don't think Lubinson's ready for it. Sorry, Lubin's ready for it. Last time Lubin stepped up, I mean, he, he really showed that there's a difference between the contender level and the, and the championship level. I, I, think the uh... resistance, I think the resistance to a unification fight would likely come more from the, uh, the, the IBF, which, which is a lot stricter with enforcing their mandatories in the other sanctioning bodies. Uh, so if, if anyone's going to have to, to defend against mandatories, I think it's actually going to be Rosario more than, than, um, than Charlo. That's just my, my opinion. I, I, I feel that, uh, 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 yeah, no, you're not giving my, giving my guy Lubin enough credit. Uh, Lubin is a great fighter and, uh, you can't, uh, you can't really gauge somebody's skill level in the championship level off of a couple seconds off of, in in a round, very true. Off of a punch that, that that barely landed. So you 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 gotta take it easy on on discrediting my guy Lubin first. Uh, I'm not second, I'm not saying he's a second, bad fighter, I Kenny. I just don't cool, know. Cool. I just don't know if he's ready uh, to to step up against Charlo. I mean, look at it. Look at who he's beat in his last few fights. He's beaten um, Silverio Ortiz, Ishe Smith, Zakaria Atu. And um, Nathaniel Gallimore, who he went a unanimous unanimous decision 12 rounds with, those were all confidence-building fights. Personally, I think he could give Charlo a competitive fight. I just think he needs a little bit more seasoning. I think he was rushed in the first fight. It has nothing against against Lubin. If anything, I'm I'm taking a a jab more at his management for, for putting him in that position so early. He probably was rushed, but yeah, he's greater than you're giving him credit for. It's just my statement, my thought. But uh, regardless of the fact, I think that uh, Jason Rosario should be the guy pushing the note to fight my man, Jared Hurd, who's mentally messed up, according to himself at the moment. I would push to get that fight with Hurd so hard because he's a big guy just like Hurd. Powerful, just like Hurd, maybe even more powerful than Hurd, as we just discussed. We can't really gauge that at the moment because we haven't seen enough of him, uh, like to be able to gauge that, you know. But uh, yeah, I would push for for that fight versus uh, Hurd if I was uh, Jason Rosario. And then I, I have a question the... for you guys. 
Hold on, real quick. I think the difference, though, Kenny, my opinion, the difference between uh, Jason Rosario and a Jared Hurd is that Hurd was like a like a slow, he was like a slow, slow uh, Asami. You know what I mean? Like you saw him from a distance coming through with the waves. Whereas for my, for my taste with Jason uh, Rosario, he was like a whirlwind automatically. I mean, even in that first round, he, which I didn't think, I think it was a very close round and I could see people giving it to Williams. Uh, but I thought he came on immediately. Like his, he wanted the champion at the time to know his presence, whereas Hurd, he takes three or four rounds before he starts, you know, letting the juices go through his joints, before he lets his hands start moving. Um, yeah. I think that's the huge difference is the, the, the intensity of what uh, Rosario had brought, and, and that's what I'm curious about. Can he continue to bring that uh, every time? I, and I think, I, you know what, seeing that, that, seeing the possession, how he was possessed, I'm sorry, how he was possessed in this fight, um, I think that that's the only way he can re- keep keep holding on to those titles is that he's got to go back continuously to that place where he was at on Saturday night and remind himself that he's this much away of losing everything that he's worked hard for, not just for himself, but for his family, for his country. You know, and I've always said that that fighters that have a country behind them are the ones that honestly put more on their line because they're afraid to let their people down. They're fighting for more just, they're fighting more, for, you know, for not just for themselves, but they're fighting for a lot of other folks that are going to live through them. So, you know, I, I, I really like the kid, what his performance, I may be a little high on him right now because of what he did. Um, but I, I just think that, you know, any fight that he goes to right now, I think he could, if, if he comes out the way he did, he's going to give a lot of folks, a lot of folks problems. But not taking anything away from Williams, guys, I wanted to talk a little bit before, uh, um, Kenny, you were going to ask a question, but I just wanted to, you know, bring this up. I think Williams still can come back into the, you know, into the, the, the stables of, of the champions and make a case for himself that he can win the title back. My thing, what he, my thing is that what he has to do is go back and look at what he did wrong. One was I thought he was riding off of his win off a of herd, meaning that he came with the same game plan, thinking that, that Jason was going to fight the similar style of what Herd did, which was be a slow starter. Uh, number two was, you know, Bert, uh, uh, Breadman gave him some really good uh, advice in telling him to slow down. You know, after he got the cut, he said, hey, slow down. But after it kind of stopped there. He, I didn't hear anything now from him in terms of, like, I don't know, guys. Why was he taking the fight to to Rosario? Why is he not? Why, I mean, he was the better. He's the better boxer. Why wasn't he not allowing Rosario to come to him and make him make mistakes? That should, you know, I, you know. Go ahead. I, I, I think I can answer that. I think it was just underestimating Rosario. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he he wasn't ranked in the top ten. He would think he was ranked eleventh. I don't really think. They took him uh, that seriously. They probably felt that they could, you know, essentially do what they wanted with him, and it and it didn't work out. One thing I wanted to say about the comparisons with Heard, I don't want to underestimate Rosario's boxing ability here. I actually think he's a much better, uh, more highly skilled boxer than Heard. Heard, I think so too. Essentially yeah. relies on his size uh, advantage and kind of, you know 
essentially being able to eat shots. He's got very little defense and, and eventually kind of grinding down his opponents. Rosario was doing things defensively in there. He was blocking shots. He was countering, you know, and also I think his, his punch variety is a lot better, better than hers. And I think his quickness is there as well. I do, though, kind of disagree with one thing you said, David, and it's about the Dominican Republic uh, potentially being behind uh, Rosario. I would defer to Kenny to talk more about this, but I remember um, a fight that I uh, invited Kenny out to over here in New York. It was Felix Diaz versus uh, Terrence Crawford. And, you know, I was in my barbershop the weeks before it. I think I was even there the day of of the fight none of my barbers knew about the fight cared about the fight felix diaz was, was an olympic gold medalist for the dr in 2008 zero publicity in new york city for mm. him and new york yeah. city's got a huge dominican population i mean you go back to guys like uh jo- jo- johan guzman um honestly one of the most highly skilled fighters uh i've seen especially when i was growing up and i was watching him Obviously, his career fizzled after a certain point just due to him not being disciplined. But again, the DR wasn't really behind them. So Kenny can speak more to this, being a Dominican-American, but just why there has not been support, by and large, for uh, fighters from, from within that community. A knockout artist can always change people's minds, though, guys. And if Jason Rosario, you know, if Jason Rosario can continue doing the way he did on Saturday night in that type of fashion. I mean, if it's not the Dominican Republic behind him, he's going to get a lot of other Latino uh, communities behind him to support him, you know, but like I said, if he knock out, continue with that type of fashion, there's no way of denying this kid. And I don't think Dominicans are going to say, uh, yeah, we don't really care for the guy when he's blowing dudes out. Uh, Kenny. Uh, the situation with it is uh, that, uh, well, it's more specifically, it's not that uh, with the work that he's doing is not going to be respected or they won't uh, show him love or anything like that. It's just that uh, boxing is not something that's huge in the Dominican Republic. Unfortunately, baseball is the top of the top of the top, and nothing that's yeah. not, if it's not baseball, it doesn't really matter. Um, yeah. So, so, but, but uh, like you said, uh, uh, Dave, it would take, it, it would take time Uh, uh uh, if he keeps knocking dudes out in that fashion and coming out hot like that, you know, uh, it, it's right. inevitable that people are going to show him the love and care, you know. But it'll take time because he technically he would be growing the love for boxing in the Dominican Republic by himself because boxing has no love. You know, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. In the U.S., the problems with Dominicans is that we damn sure do not support each other. That's a that, that's a that's a whole other different conversation, a different problem. With the United States Dominicans and uh, the you know the Dominicans that are in the, in the Dominican Republic. And Shout the out to my brother. Sorry. Uh, sorry, sorry. The question I want to ask you guys before we move on from this division, which I see us doing very soon. Um, does Canelo ever come back to 154? Or is that safe? No. He's too heavy. It's 168, 175. That's it. That's where he stays. I, I, I personally I'm surprised don't if he stays at 160. No, yeah, I was about to say that. I. I he vacated at 175 because he's not going to fight there anymore. So he vacated the WBO title at right. one at one uh, at 175 because he he decided he told them that he wasn't going to campaign there. Um, 154, I don't see that. 
Uh, also, the bigger money is going to be at 168 and 160. But that kind of weight cut, I think, would be difficult uh, for Canelo. And from what I understand, he was even struggling at 154 towards the end of his campaign. Right. You probably remember there was that transition period where he was going to be a middleweight, but he was like having these catchweight fights that weren't quite middleweight. So, exactly. Yeah, I, I don't. I no, I don't see him going down to uh, to, to one fifty four. Yeah, I just that's, I see that's, him. That's sad. Well, I mean one six one sixty right now. Look, the alarming thing is that he went he flirted at one sixty eight. Then he, he then he decided to flirt with one seventy five. No, I thought okay, why is he doing that? Um, there's obviously something there. That that he's struggling with, you know, um, he's got big legs, got a big neck. He's got really honestly, he's very heavy top. So I'm honestly, I'm thinking, is he really going to revisit 160? I mean, think the only way he's going to revisit that is either it's got to be a lot of money, or um, there might be a strong possibility he may pull the same move he was doing uh, a mill car, what he was doing at 154, which is is a catch weight. You know, saying, hey, if you want to fight me for the 160 title, but you still have to fight me at 164, meet me halfway because I can't make that. Uh, I think that's a strong possibility. It may, they may, that might start coming back again under his belt, and we may start calling him again the catchweight king at, you know, at, yeah. at one time we did. So <clears throat> I think it's kind of interesting uh, what's next uh, um, for him, you know. Um, but right now, I mean, Callum Smith. Um, BJ Saunders, uh, anything that 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 Canelo does. I mean, guys, are you any of you guys excited about any of those names I just mentioned? I think they're interesting fights, well, but I don't think those are killer fights for me. Where I'm like, oh god, this is going to be really, really good. I'd like to answer that. So, look at 160. You know, competitively, I would like to see him against Charlo. But let's be frank, Charlo doesn't have a big fan base and doesn't bring a lot to the table. The bigger fight for him at 160 would probably be in Japan versus uh, Murata, uh, the uh, WBA regular champion. And Canelo's expressed an interest in going to Japan to face Murata. At 168, I was very intrigued by the possibility of him taking on Callum Smith, you know, potentially in Liverpool or football club stadium in Liverpool. But then the John Ryder fight happened, and I'm like, that, oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, Canelo can definitely beat this guy. So, right. you know, it, it's 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 interesting. And then the other thing too is, you know, I'm probably in the minority here. Um, you know, I'm just not interested in the third Triple G fight. I'm just not. So, it, it's a it's a tough one. Um, Canelo, it's, look, Canelo's such a big draw. He's got the big contract. He can fight whoever he wants. It doesn't really matter to him. You know, for him, I just think it's the fights that are going to get him up, get him to his peak in terms of his training and, you know, excite him, you know, and it's it's difficult right now to determine which of the, of the fights would be at the top of that list. You know, I mean, look, the only fight for me that's going to be exciting is – I know you're done with it. I think a lot of fans are done with the whole Triple G situation. But that, to me, is the only guy that can be competitive. Uh, I mean, if, if Canelo said I would fight Dermanchenko, the guy that a lot felt that got an up over on uh, Triple G, 
I would be excited for that fight because I think Jermanchenko is a different look. He's a big middleweight as well, stocky, short, uh, but throws a lot of punches, combinations. But at 168, Callum Smith doesn't excite me just because of what you just mentioned right now, uh, 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 Car. I, I think the only name um, that would probably stand out and would probably sell out a whole stadium if if PBC said, hey, uh, David Benavides, let's negotiate with yeah. 168. Yeah, I, I, also, I also think that um, – that Billy Joe Saunders would be a competitive fight too, but I kind of see how that would go. And it would be a controversial Canelo wins unanimous decision, much like he did versus, versus Eric Landry Lara, you know, another kind of slick southpaw. You know, yeah, I, I don't think anybody I, I, wants not, to see Canelo anymore in a, in a, a chase a mouse around. I mean, you look, no. the, 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 um, the, uh, uh, um, that's Jesus Christ. Good to see him, man. Uh, Jacobs, the Jacobs fight. A lot of folks were not not entertained with it. You know, at the end of the day, there's got to be a value. You know, there's got to be a value of entertainment when you sit down and and watch it. Whether you're paying the zone, I don't care. You know, I, this whole thing about like, oh, well, you know, it's you're only paying a hundred a year. It's still a hundred bucks, guys. You know what I mean? It's still a hundred dollars that comes out of my pocket. So you're just telling me as a consumer, the lesser I pay, the more I should be satisfied with what's being thrown at me. No, it's not the way it works. You know. Um, you know, you pay for it, you want to get some entertainment value. So I don't think anybody wants to see Canelo again in a, in a, in a Jacobs type of style fight where it's just, you know, it's just enough to, to, you know, get your taste of the honey. I, I don't know anybody see that. And I don't think you're going to get anything of real entertainment excitement out of him facing VJ Saunders. The only guys that I see are really up. I mean, I'd rather see him against Benavides. I'd rather see him, if he decides to go back to 154 and play around, I'd rather see him uh, against, uh, uh, um, oh, God, what's his name? Um, not, uh, um, Charlo me. Well, Mungia, that's another name that's come out, Mungia, and I'm sure we're going to discuss yeah, him before no, tonight's no. over. Nah, he's too, he's too, he's too raw right now. He, he no, just agree. doesn't. Uh, yeah, it's just a name yeah. that's come up. You know who I would like out. to see him I was again? Passed out. Oh, I'd rather see him dude, I was just about, to, I was just about to say that that yeah. that fight would be amazing at 175. Right. Amazing you know, fight. But, but I just don't see it happening, man, because no. he vacated the title. Exactly. You know, he could have he could have tried to unify the WBO with the WBA regular, right? Yep. At at 175, and bro, that would have been such a fucking good fight. Had those that two guys do fight. it. Yep. Oh you my know, god. I don't. Yeah, I, was, I don't know why he vacated it though, because there's so many guys. I mean, well, I do know why he vacated it. You know, I mean, um, you know, think of this, right? We just had a 175 fight happen at ESPN Plus. Alvarez versus uh, Seal, Mike Seals. Um, very, it was a boring fight. There wasn't a whole lot. They were both being very cautious. Alvarez's style, though, is really, if you don't pay attention to the way he fights, um, he likes to sit back. He likes to allow you to make commitments and be confident. That's how he caught Seals. He, he knew he was going to be overconfident. He knew he was going to overthrow with his, hand, with his right hand, and bang, he countered him. He dropped him. Uh, if you brought up Canelo against Alvarez, that's such a winnable fight for Canelo. You know, because Canelo doesn't, he always fights with a certain type of cautiousness in his style, right? You know, he's never one guy that's going to follow through all the time with his punches. He actually kept, keeps you guessing. That's what makes him 
such a very unpredictable guy. But if you said, hey, he could fight Pascal, he could fight uh, 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 you know, uh, guys like uh, um, uh, dude, I don't know why I'm having a brain fart. Now you pa- you so pass it on Arthur, to me, but, man. Yeah, I think Baturvia, I think Baturvia would be a bit too much Baturvia? for him. The reason I say Pascal is Pascal. There's a few factors, and you know I, you know John Pascal, I've known about and and seen him since many, many, many years ago when he was an amateur. But he's actually a, a natural 168, all right? right? That's number one. So he's not a huge light heavyweight. He's also up there in age, you know. He's also vulnerable and has shown his vulnerabilities. And he's an action-packed fighter that's willing to trade, right? So I think it's a very exciting, exciting fight. Versus, as we said, like, you know, a, a, a Billy Joe or a, a, a Andrade, you know, we've seen Who's those Canelo fights. In it was Jack what? What was his last name? Jack. Um... Well, Badu Jack. Or Badu you mean Marcus Jack. Brown. No, no, ba- yeah. Badu Jack. I, I like to see Canelo and Badu Jack fight. You know, I, I think yeah, that because Jack fight. comes on uh, early. Why? And it, I mean, he comes on late uh, because I, I think that he's a big kid. He comes on late. Um, he's had such close, you know, uh, decisions against him. That that you know, I still think he makes a big fight out of it. The only thing about you Pascal was this. The only thing of this, Kenny, about Pascal is that if they were to fight, if they were to make that that fight to happen, there would be testing involved. And I'm not sure having Memo Heredia on your side that Memo is going to advise Pascal to go through with that. You know, I'm not saying that Pascal was on anything, but when you got Memo Heredia on your corner. There's got to be a red flag there. There's got to be question marks, you know, like, hey, are they doing any testing? How is it this guy's, you know, this age and he looked like he was out the door, immediately come right back in through the door and be some, some, some something of a subject at 175 all over again when he looked like he was down and out. Well, yeah, I mean, but what's funny to me too, Dave, is that Canelo, like you said, you're questioning his decision to vacate at 168 WBO, right? The number right. one contender at WBO 168 is uh, Gilberto Ramirez, who has been MIA for a while now. Right. You know, that might have been an interest. That might have been a, a Zerto Ramirez might have been a very interesting fight for Canelo. Um, I think so, but yeah, too. You know what? One of the advantages of being a superstar like Canelo or Florida of, of that level is you can kind of pick and choose your opponents and you know, people are willing to bend, and uh, whether it's the catch weights or network affiliations in terms of whether or not they'll fight you. So I honestly, we're just playing the Canelo game. All we can really do is wait and see. Yeah, I mean, I honestly don't think it's going to be a Canelo year, um, just because I think that they're more or less going to try to figure out uh, what they're going to do next. What's going to, you know, they got to. The, the the unfortunate part is that Canelo is going to fight, but I don't think it's going to be an event. You know, it's not going to be the fights that people are, are hoping to get, um, you know, which would be like the Triple G fight. Regardless of what folks are, you know, regardless of how some of us feel like saying I'm done with the Triple G, to me right now, that's the only really big fight for him to take on on DAZN at this immediate time because DAZN themselves want this fight to happen. Do you see it happening at 160 or at 168? I think this is what I think. I think this is interesting because I think that 
because Triple G has the uh, um, the the you know the Marquez uh, stocking syndrome. That I think he's willing to go to 168. If he wants that fight, I think I think uh, Triple G would be like, I'll go, I'll go up there. Why not? You know, uh, I know he's never wanted to do it for anybody else, but I think that Canelo has gotten underneath his skin so much, so bad that you know that he feels I need this fight. I need this fight not just for the money, but because of the the pride factor um, that he takes a big chunk and says, I'll, I'll go there. I'll go to that that division if that's where. I have to, uh, you know, find you. I don't see why not. I don't see why he he wouldn't do that. You know, um, why? You know, would you would you guys oppose him not to do it? I mean, at the end of the day, I, I don't think uh, Triple G has much say in the matter. I think he needs to fight much more than 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 Canelo does. I'm sure that the huge contract Triple G signed has a bunch of contingencies and that he can't just continue to fight um, the level of opponents that he's fought so far. Not to knock Devinchenko, um, but, you know, the first opponent he fought, I forgot his name already, the, the guy from um, the Toronto suburb, um, yeah, from outside Toronto. He wasn't really that great. He He's not going to get many more opponents like that. So, it's really, again, it's really up to Canelo. I think Canelo's going to do whatever gives him the advantage. You know, I was just thinking quite, uh, just quick uh, change really quick. I'd like to see Joshua Boazzi uh, at 175 come back. I don't know what he's up to. I'd also like to see Anthony Yard come back. I'm not too sure what he's up to. And I think that that would be a, a good matchup, those two fighting each other. I know that's well, a little a left field, but I'd like to see that. Yeah, they're both at 175. That's mm-hmm. why I thought Joe it. Smith, yeah, don't forget, was... Joe Smith had a good win. Yeah. Did you know, Canelo yeah. not just vacate there. his title at 175? Yeah, he did. He did. I wasn't so talking then, about Canelo uh, so fighting. I was just going to say. at 175 if he just vacated his Yeah, I, sorry, Kenny. That's why I said quick uh, switch and it was out of left field. I was saying I'd like to see those two right. fight each other. Oh, oh. Yeah. Come on, Kenny. You got to okay. keep up with it, you know? <laughs> I, 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 I love Southbrook, too. I, I have yeah, to yeah. call him through my cell phone yeah. now. Yeah, Kenny, yeah, Kenny was busy with his banana thing, right now. Kenny was like, the, yeah, the other banana. fight at 175 <laughs> that I think would be super interesting at 175 is Batervia versus J- uh, Joe Smith Jr. So I'd oh, like to see bro. that. That's like. I would woo. love to see that fight. Yeah. That, that's explosive. <laughs> All right, so. Well, before we uh, get to, uh, we had discussed some things that we wanted to discuss beforehand. Uh, I think it was uh, Mungia and the other gentleman, O'Sullivan, and, uh, and or no, Mungia style, how he's not looking too great, and then Clarissa Shields. Yeah, we got those two subjects here we want to talk about. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, Sully Sullivan, I mean, <laughs> let me ask you guys, how surprised were you that Sullivan got that far with uh, Jaime Morgia on the zone. I mean, you know, I, I want to root for Morgia. I really do. You know, I, I, you know, I, I speak to so many, being in, 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 in the Valley here uh, in uh, Northern California, you know, uh, you know, I'm from the Bay, moved from San Jose, been living here for, you know, more than 10 years, you know. So there's a, there's a lot of raza that live here. And, you know, when I work in the car industry, 
And oh, big up to Metro because I actually worked on his car today. When you guys called me, remember we were discussing what we we're going to talk about. I was working on yeah. his vehicle, so this is a he's a first time listener, man. So welcome to the welcome to the show, brother. Um, okay, we'll patch in some guys right now, uh, um, r- really quick. We got you know a couple callers coming on on board here, but but going back, um, you know a lot of guys. I speak to a lot of Mexicanos that are here in the valley, and they were like, man, I, you know, Jaime here, what do you think about him? And I feel really bad. To be honest about him, I'm not excited about him. I don't think that he's very good. Um, you know, he was supposed to in my look, I think this what what spiraled down for him, guys, and I could be completely way off or wrong about it. When he left Robert Alcazar, who was the trainer of Oscar de la Hoya, um, who I thought did a great run with Oscar from the amateurs to the pro rankings, you know, I started to see some improvement with Morgia with him because that's who you should have stuck with was a guy that really was going to work with what you, what you brought to the table, you know, um, then he jumped with Eric Morales. I get it. Eric Morales is from Tijuana. I get it. There's going to be more of a, of a bond, I guess you could say, but, but I haven't seen anything that, that really truly says that the hall of famer, the legend uh, from Tijuana uh, has improved them. If anything, I've seen a lot of decline, and it could be the decline because he's fighting guys that are actually 154, and he's not fighting these smaller guys that were moving up in weight. So I'm just not well, hyped up about him. I, I uh, think no. there's two things. I think there's two things I jump on there. Sorry, did you have something to say, Kenny? Uh, go after you. All right. So, firstly. I know I wasn't surprised. And the reason I wasn't surprised about the O'Sullivan lasting so long is not because I'm high on O'Sullivan. I think O'Sullivan owes a lot of his career to his mustache as much as to his actual ability in boxing. And, you know, boxing's a, a sport. Honestly, a lot of the times it's, it's driven by characters, right? And, and personas. Right. And he's carved that kind of niche out there for him with, with the mustache. Okay, I get it. But, you know, the the Hogan fight showed a lot of flaws um, that, that, right. that Mungia has. Defensive flaws, um, kind of offensive flaws, fighting a guy that can box and move uh, and who throws combination punches. And um, a guy who, you know, who's in shape. Hogan went the distance because he was in, in really good shape and could box. Uh so no, I wasn't that 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 surprised, and then also he's moving up in weight. So a lot of the physical advantages that he used to have at 154, again against guys that were coming up, like you said, David, from 147, he's not going to have that at 160. In terms of Morales, I, I want to give Morales a little bit more credit. I mean, obviously I'm a huge Morales fan. I think anyone who grew up watching fighters in the 90s would be, but. You know, I saw Mungia doing some things in the first round round or two, you know, head movement, using his jab a lot, uh, things that you didn't necessarily see in a lot of his previous fights, but it didn't last very long. It's like as soon as he got touched up just a little bit, you know, the, you could yeah, see that the, Morales yeah, the was going out the door. wither away <laughs> and he went back to who he was uh, prior to working with, with El Terrible. So, you know, I like the kid, too. I just, I'm not here to say that he's, like, the next big, big guy out of, out of Mexico. No. Can't do they're it. carefully uh, moving him. I, 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 I applaud Golden Boy. I think they're carefully moving him. 
Um, and that's exactly what they need to continue to do is to put the right matches in front of him. Any talks of him getting in with Canelo, um, there's, this, that, there's always that game. Or it's the kids now, they call it clout. You know, this guy jumping on his clout. But you attach your name to a popular name so that it brings your value up. And I think that's the case here. I don't think they're really serious about putting in Morgia, uh with uh, Canelo. If they didn't want to put him in with Triple G when he had the opportunity, I don't see why they would want to do that at this moment with Canelo where he's at. You know, it's just, it's just too early, too soon. You know, I, I still say he's, he's still young. He still can learn a lot. Allow him to develop and put him in with the right matches. That's Would it. you put him in with a guy like like Rob Brandt? Or do you think that would even be too much? For I, him? I think that's a little bit too much for him still. Yeah, see that, see I, that I, in I, itself says everything you need to know. Exactly. Feel, go ahead. Yes, I just feel that uh, Mungia himself needs to figure out his identity. He needs to stop trying to be this power puncher because he's obviously not a power puncher. Uh, he's not doing the damage that he thinks he's doing, or obviously he ain't doing damage. Well, he's not a boxer either, though, Kenny. Well, mean, he needs he, to, I... to be a boxer because his power, <laughs> his power is not carrying him anywhere. Yeah. The power that he was projected to have when early in his career is not is definitely not there right now. So well, I think he needs to stop uh, fooling himself and believing he could be 160. I think that if anything, any success yeah. is going to be at 154. Any success um, you know, he's got to, like I said, I think every success is going to lead on wh- who they put in front of him, what matches. Um, I if, agree. If, I agree, if, David. But, yeah. But here's the thing. Even at 154, what was his best win? It was uh, World Kid, Saddam Ali. And Ali, Saddam exactly. Ali was not, was not a natural 154. He was a, he was no. a welterweight. He was like no. a tweener. He was a guy who who's not a, really a junior middleweight, but was really struggling to make welterweight, so he moved up. But he was really a welterweight. And that's, that was his best win at 154. Yeah. Uh, I, that was his best I, win. I, on the other hand, think that uh, it may actually be a good idea for him to move up in weight, uh, specifically because he may actually have more power than these guys at 160. Excuse me, not more power, more speed than these guys at 160. And if you ask me, he should be training to be a boxer, not a knockout puncher because he's definitely not a knockout puncher. He doesn't have the power to be knocking people out, and that, that's he doesn't have the, his last two fights. Listen, he doesn't have the power to knock people out, and he doesn't have the footwork to be a boxer. It's just not there. Well, he could um, train, hopefully. Yeah, it's, I it's a little I harder. See, I also don't see him being being faster than the than the elite at one. Yeah, me neither. I mean, we're, he's we're not faster than DJ Saunders. Yep. No, well, it sounds like early retirement to me. We're talking. Look, we're talking about Charlo. We're talking about Canelo. You know, I, even Devrinchenko. I mean, he's putting his combinations together um, yeah. much better. And like you said, David, you don't even know if he should take on Rob Brandt. Yeah. And Rob Brandt decided just that that got knocked out by by Murata in what two rounds? Two rounds, exactly. You know. So I don't. You know. Hey, let's have some fight fans here on. Golden Boy is going to yeah. be picking and choosing cherries. Oh, they're going to have to be I mean, very careful. Like, they'll probably feed him a guy like Gabe Rosado or somebody on that level. Um, <laughs> no, I'm be, I'm, it comes off as a joke, but I'm actually being hey, serious. And that's going to be the toughest fight for him, though. And that's going to be the toughest fight for him, Amilcar. That's going to be really yeah. the, the high mark of his, uh, for him at, at campaigning at 160. 
is facing a Gabriel Rosario, which is actually it's not a really bad fight, but it could be a, a too much of a high assignment for him. Let me pass in some fight fans here on Leaving Ring. Let's talk yeah. some boxing. Uh, let's go uh, area code three four seven. You're on live right now on Leaving Ring. What's on your mind? Three four seven. You there, brother? That's New York City. New York, stand up. New York just got KO'd, unfortunately. Here, here's another name that I'll throw out there for you, uh, uh, David and, and, and Kenny. Uh, another guy that's moved up that has a bit of a name. What about uh, Jeff Horn? W- w- would you throw him in there with Jeff Horn? Jeff Horn's I would throw now him in with Jeff Horn. Horn. Yeah, I think that's a good one, right? Yeah, because he's not a really true 160. Uh, you know, we don't know yet. I mean, um, yeah. His grappling no, I style, I, you know, his grappling style worked at 147, but it may not work with the bigger guys, you know. So that that I would definitely let's see. Uh, area code five one zero. You're on live right now. Leave the ring. What's on your mind? Hey David. Hey Mokar. Uh, hey Kenny. How you guys doing? Fernando. Good brother. Hey Fernando. Good man. I hope you guys have a good MLK day, man. You know, oh yeah, you too, bro. Thank um, you so much. Oh, thank you. Um. I don't know, man. Like, I, a lot of the media stuff you guys are saying about uh, Mejia, mm-hmm. I would say, you know, like, one thing in his defense, man, a big one is that uh, there's a reason why this guy involved with them, right? He must see something in him, you know? He must see something in him. You know, it's not like Morales ever been a trainer before, you know? So, I, th- I think... Money? Here should be a development <laughs> here. Boy, what? I said money? money, you know? I mean, money talks more than anything <laughs> else, you know? I mean, that's the only thing I can see. I, I think it's like, like I said, I think it's more, you know, uh, being from the same spot, um, you know, wanting to see this kid uh, develop, you know, because I, I'm ready. He's got, I mean, look, there's no denying that he has a fan base, you know. Uh, he does bring a, a, a certain amount of people that want to watch him. And I think a lot of us, especially being, you know, Mexicanos, that we want him to be successful, you know, uh, because he does have the look. He, when he does throw punches, he does have that look of, you know, of being a vicious guy. It's just what follows behind him. He does, does he have the power? Um, can he can he train himself with the head movement? Can Eric break him and and mold him into a better boxer? I, I'm not sure, man. I don't see it yet. I just don't see it. You know what I mean? I, I Anybody can get better. Right? I, I think there is. Go ahead. Go ahead, Fernando. No, what you say? You think what? I I think I think patience is. Like, I think I I do see some talent there. You know, like he's 22 years old. Uh, this year, you know, like do like uh, Moko, so do some developmental fights, man. See where he's at this year. You know, uh, Toriano Johnson, Gabriel Sato. You can do fights like that, man. See where he's at. Um, I'm not I'm not as negative as you guys are on him. I just, I'm just not, man. I see there is talent there. Uh, I've seen I've seen uh. A lot more embarrassing ticket draws in the sport of boxing than Mungia, man. There's been other guys who no, tickets that were a lot less talented than him. That's I what I was saying. That, that, uh, yeah, that I feel that Mungia with training can be way better than what he is. I'm kind of on your side of the fence with this one. I, I don't think he's the rotten tomato just yet. I think no, he I, could I definitely want, do. With enough training, anybody could be great. I don't want to... to uh, come across as, as a Mungia hater or that I don't um I don't think he's a he's has any kind of potential or future. Uh I just think he's been 
pushed to main event status at the championship level very early. He's still in his early 20s. And I think he's got a long way to go before he's at really legitimately championship status at 160. Um, I, I don't. I, I'm just saying he shouldn't be taking on the cha- the, the the champions of the of the weight class. Charlo, Canelo, um, Murata, Golovkin, uh, you know, uh, Andrade. I think that he should be taking on the contenders. The, the I don't issue think he here, will, I think is that, Well, yeah. I mean. He's he's only in his early twenties, but what is he going to do? He's now a main eventer on 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 a major boxing network. So well, I you think know, he, I think he's going to do exactly what Go- I think he's going to do exactly what Golden Boy did with Canelo, which is uh, allow him to develop, keep him still there in the public view, you know, so that they know his name. Uh, Golden Boy's done it, and it worked. I mean, a lot of us didn't believe in Canelo. We didn't think that he was going to be the force to be reckoned with where he's at at this moment, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I was a very, very big doubter of Canelo to the point where the guy hung up on me because of my questions. I think Morgan yeah, yeah. is, 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 is in that position at the moment, but, you know, where, yeah, like I said, but, it's the matchmaking for him. Go ahead. But, but, but here's the thing, though, David. If you remember mm-hmm. back to how Canelo was managed at the beginning of his career – he won his title, right, uh, against right. Uh, Haddon, uh, Ricky Haddon's brother, Matthew Haddon. Brother Matthew. At a, right. cat, at a catch weight, right? Right. And, and then he was just essentially feeding on, you know, kind of mandatory fringe contender guys for a long time as champions. The issue now with, with, Mungia, with Mungia is that they were probably doing that with the WBO belt at 154, but then it could be because he was struggling with weight. Who knows? He was struggling. He struggled right. against Hogan. Right? So Canelo was at least able to stay at that kind of championship, in, in quotations, right. air quote, status, uh, right. because he could at least maintain the weight for, for, for a prolonged period of time. Munguia couldn't do that. Right? So now Munguia's moved up to 160. He's an A-side main event fighter. But we're struggling to come up with a list of opponents for him that he could beat as a guy at that status. You know what I mean? It's not that I'm well, knocking him. I just don't think who he is is in line with his status is in line with where he actually should be right now in his career. Well, here's here's the thing, though. Let's let's yeah. take that back. OK, because there's there's a lot yeah. that I agree with you. But then you got to mm-hmm. add there's two things of why Canelo was able to pull what he was able to do. For one, he was far better market than Canelo. I mean, then, then, yeah. then Morgia, okay? Morgia is really, it's kind of a fresh face. Canelo was already a known fighter in Mexico, you know? So when he came here to the States, uh, immediately, immediately, uh, you know, he had more of a draw. Uh, you know, immediately a lot of more folks knew what he was, who he was. So I think that the stature where he was at because of the marketing that they did for him before he got to Golden Boy was his star power already. Morgia, if, if Morgia had that already with him on his side, I think you would be seeing a lot of these catchweights. I think you'd be seeing a lot of, the, of these other uh, fights happening where you're having smaller guys jump up, continue to jump up the way uh, uh, Ali was at to fight Morgia, but they don't have that. So right now, to me, what they're doing is is hopefully continue to put him in with the solis of the world so they can continue marketing him to develop him to get him to exactly what I think a lot of folks are hoping he can end up being, which is an elite. But it's really difficult because 
at that weight, from the 154s to the 168, I mean, that's a deep pool of even untested talent at this moment where I think Morgia is going to have to be matched correctly. And guess what? You always can't get them right. No, you can't. And the thing is, if you're his management team, do you want to take on the big fish and possibly lose or take on the smaller fish and possibly lose? You know, it's it's kind of a, a, a risky scenario. But you're I mean, absolutely right about, you, yeah, you're absolutely right about Canelo's popularity. I, one of my good friends in Mexico, he's a Chivas guy. He only boxes, watches boxing kind of on the periphery. And I remember years ago, this guy was talking about Canelo when he was coming up. But, you know, Canelo is an, a kind of a more anomaly. He's a, a European-looking Mexican guy. A lot of the people that look like that in Mexico aren't necessarily boxers because they're of a higher social class. And Munguia is obviously like a Native American, indigenous-looking Mexican who is, is like a lot kind of a less unique. So Canelo came out like with that kind of superstar, uh, you know, attraction right. type thing from very early on in his career. Yeah. Let me ask you this, Fernando. Let me ask you this. <clears throat> what do you think is going to keep him in the game? Because one thing I see with him is if he doesn't learn how to move that head and stop catching, you know, punches with his face, as young as he is, it's going to age him a lot quicker before we even see how good he can. Um, hello, broke up there a little bit. Yeah, yeah, David, you broke up. David, we lost you, David. Uh, can't hear your sound so, no more. So, so following up on what David was saying, I agree with I agree with him. There's a lot of work left with McGee. I'm not believe me. I'm not a fanboy or nothing like that. I, I definitely yeah, yeah. with David. There's a lot to be done. But I just think there's some talent there. He's got a good trainer and Morales, and kind of knows that does know what he's doing because his dad was a trainer also. I think former boxer also. You know, so he knows how to train. He knows how to the, the training regimen, right? And you could give mm-hmm. McGee a whole year of maybe maybe let's make it this year is make a break year. He's only 22 years old. Start him off with Torreon Johnson, Gabriel Sauer, yeah. and at the end of the yeah. year or early next year, give him David Lemieux. Let's see where he's really at, you know, where he does against a big uh, aggressive puncher, you know. Lemieux would that be very a bad. Uh, that would be a bad game plan for for uh, for this next year for Hyman, you know. You keep him in, in some fun fights and you're developing him, and a year from now you see exactly where you're at, you know. Yeah, he's only 22 years old, you know. Yeah, I agree. I mm-hmm. just don't know if the zone will be will be green lighting those type of fights with him as an A side on a main event card. But you know, I don't know the in, ins and outs of their of the business side of of Mungia's uh, contract. But I know that he's making a lot of money for these fights. So mm-hmm. you know, I don't know what the zone's plan is for him. Um, well, it, it, look, I, I like Mungia. I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I wish him the best. You know, I like you said, it's he's gonna have to rebuild. And um, I, I would just much rather not see him. Like I, I think I think Lemieux is a bad fight for him. Am I wrong, uh, uh, Milcar? Wouldn't, wouldn't Curtis Stevens be be a much better opponent for him than Lemieux? I I hate to use the word shot, Kenny, but I mean we were right there in upstate New York when he just got flattened by by um. But we were ringside for that fight. You know, I don't I don't need to see Stevens again. The problem I have with, with Lemieux yeah, for, for Mugia, Lemieux's gone up to 168 because he can't make 160. Well, hey, I'm, I'm talking about for Munguia's sake, no, for development true. for Munguia. I'm not talking about for, for Curtis Stevens' sake. I, who cares about, well, sorry. No well, Curtis, Curtis, Stevens actually, but, Curtis Stevens actually went down to 154 and lost. So, you know, I 
I think he needs to take on a guy that's fought for a world title at at, at the kind of the names I was throwing out there um, that they Rosado, said that could give him Torian some work Johnson. in. Yes, guys that will give him some experience and test him, but that he'll likely beat. That that's me as a manager. Me as a fan, that's a totally different discussion. Really quickly, uh, uh, David is having technical issues with his mic, and we had a couple of minutes of technical issues on our YouTube stream, but uh, the YouTube stream is okay now, and David is currently working on solving his sound issues. Got it. Got it. So quick question for you, um, uh, Fernando. What, what other fight? Let's, let's, t- let's move away from Mungia for a second. What other okay. fights are you looking forward to uh, this year that, that are on the horizon? Well, I'm looking forward to that uh, the Ryan Garcia card with uh, yeah. with, uh, with uh, what's the face on the undercard? Uh, uh, Jorge Nades, right? So that'd be a good. You yeah. Know, they're planning on moving. It seems like they're setting it up for that for them to fight each other in the middle of summer, right? Hopefully, you know. Yeah. And Ryan Garcia yeah. already said he would like to fight King Davis at the end of the year, man. So it looks like he's ready yeah, to was, you know come out of the shell, you know. So that, I was really impressed by the Romeo Duno victory. I, w- I was not expecting that. I was expecting Romeo Duno to take him um, at least a few rounds, you know. Uh, the, that, that kid, I think, uh, is definitely destined for a great future, unlike Munguia. See, Munguia, when, Munguia, when I first saw Munguia, I was very impressed. I was like, man, this guy looks great. He's big, he's tall, he's powerful. But then I noticed he was fighting much smaller opposition. So, you know, uh, uh, Ryan Garcia, on the other hand, you know, yeah, he started with uh, Lester opposition, as everybody does, but uh, he has some abilities that are extremely promising, which Munguia doesn't, you know. Ryan Garcia has this uh, uh, amazing speed, and he, seemed, he he appears to have power with that speed. And he's agile. He, he, he's get, only getting better, learning footwork. He's learning how to move his head. He's learning how, uh, defense. You know, the kid's only getting better. Uh, Munguia... If you ask me, I've only seen him decline since the first time that I saw him box. But then again, that's because I saw him against lower opposition when I first saw him boxing. It was not against uh, uh, the opposition that he's uh, facing now. Yeah. I, I try and dis- I, I disagree with David about Alcazar. I thought Alcazar was a bad fit for him, man. Because he, he seemed like in those two fights with the, um, Alote and the English guy, he seemed really hesitant. You know, like he was like thinking the whole time. It seemed like he was really thinking in there, and and yeah. I'm just watching the fight right now on the zone with him and uh and Spike was Sullivan. He's letting his hands go. He's kind of dancing around, moving his head a little bit. You know, I mean, yeah. Honestly, maybe there is a, a roof on him, but I I just I just think there's some talent there. You know, I don't think we should throw him in the garbage bin at all. You know, I think there's no, something there's, there. There's, you know? there's definitely there's definitely talent. I think the question though is whether or not he gets a title at 160. Um, and, and right now I just see that as being uh, a challenge, you know, um, the only guy, the only guy I will see maybe is if Triple yeah. G's wheel fell off, you know, cause Triple G looks like his wheels might fall off in any fight, you know, like, maybe, uh, I, I, like I, what? I don't see that happening either. I, I think Triple G will, will, uh, like really make Mungia look bad. Like, uh, and, and, and that's because I'm telling you. As I'm not discrediting Mungia and the kid's talent. He's very young and he's only developing, but he just doesn't look as good as he did before. Uh, he he's no, not like he's not a lot faster than everybody. 
Uh, he's not way no. more powerful. And, and, and matter of fact, he's looking like he's uh, he doesn't have the strength that the others do. You know, as, as of late. Uh, but in the beginning, yeah. he was, you know, he still wasn't that fast, but it looked like he was powerful. It looked like he could, you know, maybe one punch KO a couple of people here and there, like that was gonna. But now uh, that he's facing the bigger guys, uh, his his power is not translating. So it's like, what do we look for in Mungia? Uh, you know, that that like that's gonna be his go-to. Like like what's like like. Like what's gonna make him better than the opponents that he's facing? He doesn't have the footwork. He doesn't have the defense. He, uh, uh, David and the Milkar were discussing that he's not necessarily a boxer. He can't necessarily box. Uh, he doesn't have power. So my thought is, where do you take him in boxing? Where, where in boxing does he go? Uh, is he gonna be a, a so-called gatekeeper? Is he gonna be like an average guy that fight, just fights to get money and stay undefeated? Or is his ultimate dream going to be what the main boxer's ultimate dream is to go collect the title, you know? His main, his main advantage at 154 was his ability to take punches and, you know, overpower guys that had moved up in weight to that weight class and weren't natural 154 guys. He left the division, you know, I think it was a combination of struggles making 154 and the fact that the bigger paydays are at 160. You know, again, I just don't see him being a champion at 160 right now. You know, and he's still yeah, young. But he's gonna, he's going to have to develop. You know, it, the development's not something that usually takes uh, takes uh, place on on world championship level major network uh, cards as a main eventer. You know, maybe he can fight on, on Canelo's undercards for a bit. I just don't know whether he'll be willing to do that or whether Golden Boy will do it. But then I also don't know if the zone is going to keep paying upper six-figure paydays for him to beat wow. up the likes of Spike O'Sullivan. You know, is that sustainable? You know, I, no, no, I doubt it. I, 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 you know, I, I just don't I, I just don't know. I, I just I, I just I don't think, know. I think us as fans just put him on layaway. That's what I'm trying to say. Just, just put him on layaway, man. Like let the zone worry yeah. about paying him or whatever. You know, yeah. give him a, give him a, a year. One one thing about the zone that like you know like we have, us as boxing boxing fans, right? Like, oh, you know, they don't have time to be showing this guy on on the zone, right? Well, the zone's not like HBO. The zone they show like three or four cards every month, right? So yeah, what, yeah. You know, whereas HBO, yeah, HBO would like have their whole uh, their whole schedule like surrounding one fight a month. You know, so yeah. I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world, to, you know, like, you know, every three months to put him on there, like, in a kind of a throwaway card, you know. It's fun to watch. I enjoyed the card. The, the, the practice, I enjoyed it, you know. Yeah, yeah I mean, is, because man, you know, you're like me. We'll watch, we'll watch pretty much any boxing <laughs> that, that, that's yeah. on TV and, and usually enjoy it, enjoy aspects of every fight. You know, quick, yeah. quick, um, quick uh, change of topic. Uh, Konaki Hellenius w- was announced um, r- recently. W- what are your thoughts on that fight, um, for, uh, Fernando? I, I think that's a, I think that's just a big waste of time. I don't, I don't Same get it. Why, aren't they trying to, aren't they trying to build this guy up to be somebody? You know, like put him in there yeah. with, with uh, a true contender. You know, like he, like supposedly saving him for a title shot against Deontay this year, maybe. You know, depending on what happens with Tyson Fury. You know, but who, how are you going to get excited for a pay-per-view with Konaki, Konaski when he hasn't beaten anybody, you know? Because obviously Deontay's going to be on pay-per-view no matter what. So if you're going to get Deontay, you better be pay-per-view worthy. 
Yeah, at least with the Areola fight, you're talking about two action fighters, you know, that Areola had a big name. He was kind of two chubby, overweight guys who threw a lot of punches and could fight. There was like an interesting aspect to getting people excited about that. I, I saw the, the the article about Konaki Hellenius. I mean, I've seen Hellenius get beat so many times already. Um, I mean, I guess the fact that F.A. Jagba's on the undercards and added kind of thing, maybe, but you know, uh, I I don't I don't really know. I'm not, I'm not that excited. I'm I'm just not. You know, you know what would have been a good match for him is one of those guys who gave uh, Fury a, a hard time last year. You know, the European uh, heavyweights. I can see them. Yeah, you're, you're, you're talking about Otto, Otto, Otto Valin yeah. Konaki. Sign me up for that. Yeah. 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 See, that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Konaki, sign me up for that. Seriously, fight. Yeah, or or Oscar Rivas Kaunaki, or yeah. Michael Hunter Kaunaki. 